0: This morning, uh, I am going to start a new series. We finished last week our little, uh, we did kind of a mini-series in, in the Lord's Prayer. And so this morning we're going to start a new series in the book of 1 John. And 1 John is a little book kind of tucked in the back of your Bible there. Uh, the general consensus on this book is that it was written by the Apostle John, same person who wrote the Gospel of John and Revelation, although there is some debate about that. You know, it, it's one of the. There's only a couple letters in the New Testament that don't have a signature on them, and this is one of them. So it does, we don't know for certain, for certain that John wrote it. But most people sort of think it was John, and so I think for our purposes, we'll we'll just go with that. How's that? All right. So it John. I titled the series "Being a Real Spiritual Person." Hey, thank you. I have a fan. See, everybody cheers for the announcement person. No matter who makes announcements, they get cheers. I don't get cheers, but Zoe, you're my best friend, Zoe. Uh, so, being a real spiritual person, that does not, not, not a really spiritual, like overly spiritual person. I mean, being real, as in authentic and genuine, being a real spiritual person. Sometimes those two things don't go together. And I'll explain a little bit what I mean, but I think some of you already know. This is It really is very much in line with another saying that we have in the vineyard we, we use f- fairly often. You might have heard the little phrase, being naturally supernatural. And what we mean by that is to, to have an ability to, to move in the gifts of the Spirit and to be in tune with the Spirit of God, uh, but without being weird. And, and amen. And you can you can do that. It's okay. You can you can you can have a word of knowledge. You can pray for people. You can you can be prophetic, and you don't have to be weird. Um, so, being a real spiritual person, here's this is sort of where I'm coming from on this. It's it's our conviction in a vineyard that God has created each one of us perfectly and uniquely, and He's called us to be representatives of Him, ambassadors of Christ, and the best representative of God that you can be is you. The best representative of God you can be is you, and that you can be is you, and that I can be is me. It's not being something or someone else. It's being who God's called and created you to be. Sometimes in the church, and it's not, it's not just in the church, it's really in any social construct. Any group of people that come together around a common purpose, common cause, you've seen this. You can try to sort of emulate other people or do what you think would be the right thing to do to fit in. And in the church, sometimes I think we tend to try to emulate other people or maybe, you know, use King James English or whatever it might be, to appear to be more spiritual. So we fit in. I'm spiritual. Um, I hope our focus in this series, and I believe John's focus in this letter, is that we want to be true to who God's called us to be and walk in an authentic relationship with Jesus by, by being authentic and being genuine. And I want to say off the top, I, that means a couple things. It, it, it means, one, it means being honest. It means being honest. It means being willing to say, hey, I'm struggling, or I don't understand. I'm confused about this. I don't get it. It's okay to say that. I have a friend, and it doesn't matter what's happening in his life. If you ask him how you're doing, he always says the same thing. And he'll say to you, if you say, hey, how's it going? He'll say, I'm super great, but I'll get better. Super great, but I'll get better. And it comes from a a belief that if he acknowledges anything less than that in his life, that it's a lack of faith. And so he can't lack faith. So you have to say, I'm super great, but I'll get better. If his whole entire family had been struck with bubonic plague, he would say, I'm super great, but I'll get better. And sometimes I want to shake him and say, "No, no, you're not. Answer the question. How are you really? Can we make a rule today? Can we? Can we? Can we do that? Let's say this. It's okay to say I'm having a crappy day. All right. If you're having a crappy day, just say it. I'm having a crappy day. I'm having a hard week. I'm struggling. My boss is driving me crazy. I'm, I'm having a, a tough time. Things aren't going well for me today. That's okay to say that. If we can't be honest with one another and be authentic in our relationships with one another, how can we grow together in Christ? How can I pray for you? How can you pray for me? How can we encourage one another if we're not honest about where we're at in life? I think there's two parts to this. One is, as I mentioned, our behavior, how, how we respond to one another and, and the other side of that, though, really is our belief. What, what do we believe? Because if we believe certain things to be true about Jesus, it will change how we react to one another. Or if we don't believe certain things to be true, it will change how we react to one another. So in the in the letter of 1 John and in our series, we, we will talk about what we believe about Jesus and how that affects how we live. Um, John's writing in a, a fairly difficult time period. And, and here's what I mean by that. It's about, it's roughly 50 years or so after the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And there are any number of different sort of theories or philosophies that are kind of have risen up, they're popping up as to who Jesus was to try to explain who he was and what he did. So so we we have the privilege of 2000 years of history, okay? So we're 2000 years removed from from Jesus life and death and resurrection. And in that 2000 years, lots and lots of really really smart people have studied the Bible, they've written a lot of things, and we have that. We can look at those and we can we can use the scholarship that's there to our benefit, to grow in our understanding. We also we also have a little thing called the New Testament, which John did not have. So, at the time that John wrote, some of the letters, most of the letters that we have that are compiled today in the New Testament existed, but they existed as independent writings, and they were they were not um, available. And in the, in the, they're, they're so available for us today. You can walk in any hotel room in America and steal one. I mean, it, you can get a Bible; it's easy. These letters were, you know, they were handwritten, passed from place to place. Some people had seen him, some people hadn't seen him. So it, it was it was a, a different time than than what we have today. So, in the midst of this, people were coming up with theories about who Jesus was to try to explain what happened. And it's into that sort of environment that John's writing. There's different different ideas. One of those ideas was called Docetism, and Docetism was the belief. That Jesus was all spirit, but he was not a person. He was not flesh. And so what, what that meant is anything that anybody saw when they saw Jesus or experienced Jesus, what they were actually seeing was some kind of a spirit image or like a first century hologram or something. It wasn't really a person. It was a spirit that looked like a person. Now here's the logic. I want you to get check check this out. This is good. The logic behind that was that if Jesus was God, He couldn't have been a person because He was God and God can't be a person. But think about it. It's actually quite logical. Up to that point, God had never been a person. In other systems and other beliefs, God was not a person. And so on one level... That theory makes sense. So John is coming against thoughts like that and processes like that. He returns again and again throughout this little letter to what it is to really believe in who Jesus was and how to authentically walk that out in our life as a follower of Christ and be uh, what I've called a real spiritual person. So what does that mean to us today? How is that relevant today? I think it's uh, very relevant, and I'll, t- I'll just give you one example. <laughs> it's, it's a big one, but um, in the United States of America today, some 80 percent or so of people would identi- self-identify as Christian, it, depending on which poll you read, which study it's 82, 83 percent, but it bounces around right around 80, 80 percent of the people in our country would say, "I'm a Christian if you ask them." About half of that number actually have any sort of connection to other believers. They attend a church. They're connected to a body somewhere, somehow. There, There's any sort of relational dynamic that exists. About half of that number. Okay? Of, of that half, a much, 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 much lower percentage actually expend any resource, any of their time, any of their energy, any of their money... Um, in the advancement of the gospel, the service of other people, uh, caring for their, you know, for the poor, anything that we might we might identify as being biblical Christianity. So it's not my place. I'm not here to judge who's a Christian, who's not. All I'm saying is that there is a broad spectrum of belief as to what it really means to be a Christian. And so I think it's important that we look at the writing of John and we, we kind of talk about what does it really mean to be a real spiritual person, to walk with Christ in a real way in my life? Um, we're going to look at today just the first four verses of this letter, and um, then we'll, we'll just kind of go from there. It's a short book, but we're going to be in it for a little while. Just warning. Um I want to read the first four verses, and then we'll, we'll pray for God's help. John 1.1, 1, 1, 1 John one one, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it, and we testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So Lord, would you enlighten the eyes of our hearts today, open your word that we would grow in our understanding of who you are and what it means to live our lives out in you. Amen. If you... uh, you have a Bible, and you were to open it and look at it, and I know know you guys have Bibles, I just know that most of you have phone Bibles now. It's, It's okay. It counts. Contrary to some belief. But the subtitle, which is not actually part of the text, but was added later for our help, but the subtitle in your Bible probably says, the incarnation of the word of life, above this little passage we just read. So those four verses are about the incarnation of the word of life. What we call the incarnation. That comes from the Latin word incarnate. I, it, 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 kind of th- it always bugs me because the Cinco de Mayo, when I think of carne, I think of carne asada. I, my mind goes immediately to tacos. And I don't know, that kind of tells you where I'm at, but... Um, am I the only one? Okay, Rachel, thank you. Uh, I go to, immediately to tacos, but the word is actually Latin, carne, meaning flesh. Okay? So... Incarnation is in the flesh. Uh, So for us to have an authentic relationship with Jesus, it begins with us having an understanding of the idea that the Word became flesh. That the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, uh, the one who spoke all things into being, that God, that He stooped down, He lowered Himself, He took on a human body. He left heaven and came to earth and became a person. He entered into uh, the reality of our life. As the famous theologian Johnny Cash would say, he stepped into the mud and the blood and the beer. He, He came right down into the midst of all of it. He didn't back off. He said, whatever's happening in this world, I want to be a part of that, You see, other gods, he did what no other god could or would do. Other gods are created in the image of man. If you look at other, other systems and idols, they're gods, there's these statues, and they look usually kind of like a person. They're created in the image of man. Our god created us in his image, but then he took on our life. He took on our life. That which was from the beginning, God in heaven, which we have heard, we've seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The God that was in heaven, we've seen Him, and we've heard Him, and we've touched Him. He appeared. The life appeared. We've seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has now appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and we have heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. You can come into fellowship with us because of what we've seen. And our fellowship is with God the Father and with His Son Jesus. And we write this to make our joy complete. One thing that we get immediately from this is that relationship with Jesus is experiential. We saw, we heard, we touched. It was real. He was there. God is not far away. God's close. He's right here. He's right here with us right now. God's with you. We, we, like John and the others, we can see Jesus. We can hear Jesus. We can feel Jesus. We pray together often, uh, every week before service, different times. How many times have you been in a little group and you're praying and someone says, I have a word from the Lord. I heard from God. I ask every week back there, who's got something? And almost every week, somebody says, well, this is what God showed me. This is a picture I saw. This is a word I got. God's speaking to his people. We see Jesus. We feel... How many of you have felt the presence of Jesus in worship? How do you know that? Well, just because you know, right? It's just there. You just know. The presence of God, it's real. An authentic relationship with Jesus means experiencing the presence of God in our lives. It means understanding that He's up close and we can be in contact with Him all the time. I think that there are probably more, but there's three implications of this that, that I think are important for us, really maybe essential for us to understand that I want to touch on today. Um, the first is this. It's in the realm of our time, or specifically, the time we spend at work or doing other sort of mundane but necessary kinds of activities. Okay, look, here's the deal, sure. We all love to, to be in worship. That's, that's wonderful, because when you're in worship, you have a few minutes, you can kind of hopefully let go of everything and set stuff aside and just kind of come in the presence of God. That's always great. We love our little morning time, our little devotional. Get up. I got my coffee and my Bible and I'm looking out my window in my garden and it's lovely. We love that. That's a fun thing. That's a great thing. We love to go for a walk on the beach or hike in the mountains and pray and seek God. We love to do those things, but the truth is that those experiences are really kind of few and far between, aren't they? Why is that? Well, it's because we have to spend 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week at work. It's because we have to do the dishes and vacuum the floor. It's because... You know, we have to change poopy diapers. All this stuff. There's all this stuff that has to happen. And and sometimes life is so full and so busy, it's hard to fit God into that. Ladies and gentlemen, I have got a little secret for you today that is going to change your life. <laughs> You've been working a lot, Roger? Um, this uh, philosophy, dualism, and another uh, philosophy that you may have heard of called Gnosticism, they said to us that everything of the spirit was good, but anything of the flesh was bad. So anything of matter, flesh, anything physical was bad, only spirit was good. Well, what that means is it's really hard to be a real spiritual person. Because the only way you can be a real spiritual person really is to become sort of a monk or something and go off and, and live in a cave and just pray all day long. Which, let's be honest, that's not very practical. There's only so many caves out there. I mean, there, there, were, there, were, there were literally, there, there, there literally are sects of people, monasticism and asceticism and other groups that believe this. And they would separate themselves from everyone and everything in an effort to be spiritual. Well, that's all good and fine unless you have any real responsibilities. Most of us don't have the freedom to do that. But here's the thing. God incarnate, God in the flesh, showed us that not everything of flesh was bad. That it was okay. Jesus was real. He walked and talked. He, 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 he ate. He went to the bathroom. He worked. He hung out. He was a real person, and He opens the door for you and I to be real people and be spiritual people in the midst of our day-to-day activities. So it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter whether you're you know, taking blood pressure, pounding nails, fixing computers, washing dishes. Whatever you're doing you can be in the presence of God in the midst of that. The incarnation shows us that our working hours are redeemed time. You don't have to separate that from time with God. The second, um, second way this impacts us is in the area of our relationships and our fellowship with one another. And I'm going to just say, in church, okay? And the latter part of that, it says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that. So John's writing about what he's seen and heard, so that. His reason is that his readers, you, may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ. His desire was that people could come into and share with others the relationship that they had with God. So sometimes we, we hear this. I hear it. Maybe you don't. But, uh, well, I have this... I, I, I love God. I just don't like the church. I have this vertical relationship with God. So therefore, I am an authentic Christian. And I and the Apostle John would say, hooey, that's not an authentic Christian. It doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. But you cannot have the vertical without having the Horizontal. The Apostle Paul says, you're part of, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. I say a lot, it's not the same without you. And it's true. You're a part of the body. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If you're a body part separate from the body, guess what? You die. That's the only outcome. You're connected, and you cannot be a real spiritual person. You cannot be authentic in your relationship with God, disconnected from one another. The incarnation means we are part of a body. This, this last little phrase here is really, really important. We write this to make our joy complete. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this today. The fullness of joy is in fellowship. You, you will never have the fullness of joy in Christ outside of connection with one another. You will never know that. I'll be honest, for me, you know... We all experience God in different ways, and very, very rarely when someone's praying for me or I'm being ministered to or whatever, do I just get emotional and cry or feel the presence of God. But practically, weekly, you know, I see people I love being touched by God. I see one of you getting prayer. I look up here and, and during worship, and I see these young kids leading worship, And that touches my heart, and I enter into a a realm of joy that I don't have on my own. Now, we're all different. We all experience it different ways, but I'm telling you right now, you will never know the fullness of joy in Christ on your own. You can take that to the bank. Look, let's be honest, okay? We're going to be honest. Um. Sometimes it's hard to be in fellowship. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes people do stupid stuff. (laughs) Amen. You can say amen. Yeah, it's hard. It's not easy. It's easier to say, I don't want to play anymore. I'm going to take my toys and go home. However, I will tell you the alternative is worse. The alternative is worse because you end up alone. You will never know the fullness of joy Separated from the body of Christ, we really really do actually really really do need each other we do you don 't you, you may not like to admit that, but you do the, the last thing that I think the last way so it impacts us in, in our our time and in our relationships and I would say the last thing the incarnation uh, the way it impacts us is. Really, in our relationship with God, okay? In our relationship with Jesus. The incarnation, frankly, is what separates Christianity from everything else. Okay? We, we don't say simply, we know God. Okay? We say, the God we know knows us. Not just we know God. The God we know knows us. He knows us. He understands us. He empathizes with us. He gets us because he's like us. He became one of us. See, again, Jesus was a person. Jesus felt pain. When he was growing up in the carpenter shop with his dad and he whacked his thumb with a hammer, what do you think happened? Yes, correct. He said, ouch, or something. You fill in the blank. Think about this for a minute. Okay, so we have, in the New Testament, we got the birth of Jesus, and then there's this one random story when he was a kid, and then he's 30 years old. But in between there, Jesus was a teenager. Oh, my word. I'm serious. I mean, he went through puberty. He probably had zits. I, 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 I mean, the whole thing, you know what I mean? Uh... He had friends, maybe maybe he got made fun of at school, I don't know. Maybe girls flirted with him, I don't know. He went through all that stuff. He probably at times, I don't know this, but maybe he got sick. Jesus felt and experienced, Scripture says, he went through everything we go through. He knows what it's like to be you because he was like you. He knows what it's like to be ridiculed. He knows what it's like to be embarrassed. He, He knows what it's like to feel pain and separation. He knows he gets all that. He gets it because he became like us. That separates Christianity from everything else.